I'm Josh Murphy, research analyst at Fund Canada, and this is the Investing on the Go podcast. Today, I've been joined by Simon Moon and Alex Game, managers of the Unicorn Smaller Companies Fund. Hi, Simon and Alex. How are you doing? We're good, thanks. How are you? You're very well, thank you. Um, well, let's get straight to it then. Um, smaller companies have had a tough 2022 in terms of share prices and performance. But does this really reflect the underlying earnings and revenues? How have the companies actually fared? Are they able to refinance, etc.? Um, yeah, I mean, it has been a, a really tough 2022 for all things UK and domestic um, and, and smaller companies in particular. Um, I, I don't think it reflects how these companies have uh, managed operationally. You know, just speaking to our portfolio specifically, you know, the vast majority of companies have on an operational level come in at or above market expectations over the last 12 months. They're all um, they're all financially resilient, you know. So the refinancing question is not something we've we've had to face too much with, within the portfolio. With about uh, half of the portfolio has net cash on the balance sheet. Um, of those companies that are indebted, the, the, the net debts, you know, particularly low when you compare it to the market generally. I think Mark, if I, if I talk, talk to the broader point of the small companies market, I, I think that's it, it financially in far better health than it was say 10, 15 years ago in the wake of the uh, global financial crisis, I think you're, you're tending to see a bit more of a pragmatic attitude from banks as well, you know, as per what you saw around the COVID period, the first lockdown, um, you know, you're, see, you're seeing covenant waivers uh, more frequently and, and just a, a bit more of a collaborative approach to, to financing for companies. But but like I say, we, we've not really seen those sorts of problems within the portfolio. Don't know if Alex has got anything to add. Yeah, I mean, so so what we have seen, speaking to Simon's point there, in terms of you know revenues, earnings still being in line with what we'd expect, we've seen a very significant derating in smaller companies. Um, you know, smaller companies in general are more domestically oriented than, than large large companies, so you know more sensitive to sentiment towards the UK economy. You know, everyone will be familiar with the, um, you know, the political backdrop that we face so far yeah. uh, in 2022. Clearly, that hasn't helped. Your sterling has depreciated and has been very volatile. You know, all of these things have, have played into the fact that sentiment towards UK equities and UK small caps in particular uh, have, have been uh, very depressed over the period. Uh, clearly, that throws up lots of opportunities, though, to buy into you know, very high-quality assets uh, at depressed valuations. Yeah, you know, well, those are very interesting points, and, and thank you for shedding a light on that. Um, Heading into to 2023 and what looks like you know, quite a large recessionary environment, what is your outlook for, for smaller companies? Can they weather this storm? Do you think some are better placed than others? Once inflation has peaked, will this make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the consensus certainly is that we're facing a recessionary environment. Um, I think where the consensus sort of is most variable is, is how long and deep that Recession is being obviously needed to say we're hoping for a short and shallow one as as all our invest investee companies. If that, but but I would say that you know, that, you know small companies are more likely to be domestically focused. So if we have a domestic recession, they're they're, they're likely to be impacted. Um, the good thing about investing in in, in smaller companies is, is that they are nimble, they're more agile, they're able to adapt faster. Uh, again, we saw this, um, you know, through the pandemic, uh, uh, that sort of fleet-footed nature of, of a small business being able to react faster uh, than, than a larger comparator. 
uh, and that that should um, that should enable them to position themselves well uh, in light of recovery and, and sort of uh, in light of resilience in in a hardening economic condition as well. Yeah, I think we're likely to see some divergence in performance across different sectors. Um, clearly, the consumer discretionary sector is likely to face some pressure. Uh, you're already starting to see that come through in in the earnings performance of some of those those companies, and we'd expect that to accelerate going into you know the early months of, of next year as we uh, start to to see the updates provided by some of these companies. I think interestingly, there are other parts of the market that may perform better than. Um, than the, the the market consensus is expecting at the moment. You know, capital goods is a good example. You know, there are areas within the the industrial space in the UK that are still benefiting from you know the pent up demand from the disruption during COVID. So there is underlying recovery trends within some of these markets, which I think will will you know will provide an interesting opportunity set for those investors willing to take a you know slightly longer term view over the next twelve months or so. On your inflation point, um, I think that you know, anecdotally from our meetings with management teams, and we, you know, as we've discussed on these podcasts in the past, you know, we put a lot of weight on those uh, management management meetings with with with, with companies, um, and our corporate access tends to be very good as well. It does really give us a barometer um, on on various points of interest in the economic health of, of the economy of of, uh, of the nation. Um, and I would say anecdotally, we are hearing and uh, feeling evidence of inflation peaking, rolling over. Um, that that obviously is is broadly positive, or university positive, really. Um, and I, you know, I, I think if that has happened, then, then that does indicate a, a shorter um, a shorter recession, does indicate a shallower recession as well, and it also indicates that inflation expectations are high, are too high. Um, yeah. I'd also say that you know we've looked at inflation over the last sort of sixty plus years. We've looked at the data of inflationary environments within the UK, and then we've looked at um, small cap returns post those periods of peak inflation. And there's been three uh, peak periods uh, or periods of peak inflation, very defined uh, periods. And in each after each of those periods, small companies have tended to outperform over a number of years. So that gives us a fair amount of, uh, of reassurance that you know. Despite you know, smaller companies being a pretty unpleasant place to invest in 2022, you know, the good future might be ahead of us. And historically, smaller companies have underperformed going into peak inflation, which is exactly what we've seen so far year to date as inflation has been increasing. Smaller companies have come under, come under a lot of pressure. Uh, so clearly, you know, people need to take a view on where we are in that inflation curve. We are increasingly um uh, confident that we're reaching the, the 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 top end of that curve, the peak of the inflation curve. Yeah, well, well thank you both for that. I, I believe you, you've kind of touched on it there. So, you know, what do you think can it would take for smaller companies to do well once again? What could be the catalyst? I mean, possibly, you know, that inflation peaking and coming down. Do you think that's that would be the main catalyst to see these smaller companies perform well again? Yeah, I, I certainly think that's. Um... I certainly think that's that's an element of the of, of the catalyst. The catalysts, you know, we've been um, we've been saying for about six years that you know the UK student and small companies have cheap, you know, ever since the Brexit referendum. Uh, it's been very difficult to pin down after this really bad year for smaller UK companies what a catalyst might be. But there, there's various elements of it. There's there's a political backdrop which Alex just touched on earlier. It's been appalling in the UK. 
Um, and, and it was putting people off before 2022 anyway. So if you have a, a, a decent period of stability uh, on the political backdrop, that will help um, peak inflation uh, sort of being lower uh, and, and that terminal highest interest rate being lower than market expectations and rolling over. That That's probably the strongest catalyst. Yeah, I think the um, you know, the relative performance of sterling as well. You know, clearly sterling is depreciated um, over a number of years now since the Brexit referendum, and you know, this year in particular has been particularly uh, challenging year for for sterling. But but any reversal in the, the strength of the dollar in particular relative to sterling, I think, would be beneficial for. UK equities and also UK small caps in particular. And uh, finally, uh, sorry, long answer this. Uh, <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's lots of these <laughs> coming through. Uh, M&A activity, you know, the, the, the international market, especially or in, international uh, uh, companies, especially looking at the UK and seeing you know, cheap companies, low valuations, um, and, and that sort of depressed sterling too. It's a double discount. You're, you, after... after a, a, a busy first half of the year when it came to an activity, I think you saw a, a general reluctance because of that worsening political backdrop you saw in the UK and, and trustnomics. Uh, now, more recently, you're seeing just a bit more activity in the market. One of our investee holdings in very concentrated portfolio um, was bid for uh, two weeks ago at a, at a sort of 65 plus percent premium to the prevailing uh, share price. So you know, it is it is still out there. A flurry of M&A activities couldn't really sort of sharpen people's attention back to allocating towards the UK. Perfect. Um, while some smaller companies are domestically focused, some are perhaps surprisingly international. What impact, if any, is this move for countries anchoring activities and bringing supply chains close to home, having on this area of the market? Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting question. For its first, first, first and foremost, it's important to say that smaller companies in general have shorter supply chains. Um, you know, clearly, that was beneficial during COVID when there was very significant supply chain disruption across the world. Uh, that allowed them to, to manage some of those dynamics a bit better than their, their larger counterparts. I think, inter interestingly, we're starting to see evidence that there is this move to reshoring happening. Uh, clearly, domestically, we are an island. Any additional capital spent on those reshoring activities would be positive for our domestic economy and positive for you know, certain areas in particular within the domestic economy. So, um, you know, greater level of investment in the UK would would be beneficial for the smaller companies, absolutely. And, and you look you look at sort of the last sort of 20, 30 years in the UK as well. And what what we were very open to as a country was uh, globalization. It was a benefit you know, to the populace of the UK. Um, it, it was something we sort of we disproportionately imported deinflation basically we did. Uh, and you know through through globalization, through getting it cheaper elsewhere and bringing it in. And and what we see this this um, this certain uh, sort of increased capital investment within the UK. Not only will it just sort of generally help domestically focused companies, but it should also as well disproportionately benefit the UK. You know, given that there should be more coming back into it. Perfect. Very interesting. Um, looking at the portfolio now. Um, I noticed you have a large weight to engineering companies. What do you like about companies in this sector? 
Well, it's um, it's what we do well in the UK. It's uh, you know, it's part of, in the UK, we're lucky to have you know the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. We're we're lucky to have an incredibly rich industrial heritage. Um, yeah, I mean that that is, oh, oh, these world leading companies, absolute market leaders, uh, and, and you. you we're very good at talking ourselves down in the UK. We, we certainly don't do enough of talking up what we're very good at. And, and just because of that heritage, we've naturally been left with a lot of these very specialist niche um, engineers. Yeah, and I think in many cases, particularly in these smaller uh, niche industrial businesses, uh, they're often seen as very, very cyclical, very sensitive to the broader um, you know, economic backdrop. We think when you look under the bonnet that there are some really interesting structural drives in some of these businesses. So a great example is a company called Severfield, which we've invested in for a number of years. Uh, this is effectively a fabricator of structural steel, which goes into you know, buildings, offices, data centers, distribution, warehouses, stadiums. So you know, there's some really interesting long-term structural drivers within that business. Uh, it's been undervalued for a period, you know, for a significant period of time because the market has seen it as you know, very, very cyclical and economically sensitive. Um, yeah, this is a, a company that also has a JV in India, so it has some interesting exposure to you know, a high growth market overseas. Um, the market at the moment, the, the stock market is placing very little value on that JV. Uh, we can see a, an event uh, at some time in the, the medium term where Sellerfield will try and monetize the, the value of that, that joint venture in India, uh, potentially through an IPO, which could be you know, very material in terms of an event to, 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 to realize value within that business. And I'm conscious of time, but I will just throw in another example as well. And we, we've sort of touched on this dynamic when we were talking about the outlook. Um, there's, a, there's a company we invest in the, in the fund called Castings, which uh, makes components for, for light trucks, so Scania, Volvo, primarily. Um, over the last two years, you've had various sort of supply chain snafus, uh, primarily around uh, semiconductors. Um, that's led to sort of a, a pent-up demand uh, for these 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 end products. Um, so, I mean, a, a concern that a lot of people have when they when they're looking at engineers is that if you are facing a recession environment, you'll sort of you'll have this. Um, a fall off in demand in unison, which sort of compounds itself and makes a painful recession for those companies, especially. However, there's, there's so much pent up demand in the end market for, for a lot of these companies that you know that should really help see them through a, a, a recession, a, a, a more traditionally recessionary period, hopefully unscathed. Yeah, that's a great example. Castings has about you know 18 months or so of pent up demand in terms of volumes. To, to just catch up the shortfall during the pandemic, which will clearly you know, dampen any impact of a reduced uh, economic uh, environment. And um, kind of on that, um, what changes have you made to the portfolio in recent months? Any sales or purchases of note? Yeah, I mean, a period like this year is always awful to go through on a day-to-day basis um, when you're sort of looking at um, stock market performance, looking at share price performances. Um, but it does throw up tremendous opportunities. So it's a, it is, it, there is always a silver lining. Our, our watch list of companies is currently probably hasn't been as long as this for many years, um, for maybe even ever. Um, what we did see was a dynamic over the summer of high-quality structural growth companies. 
um, selling off and, and you know, the fund operates a relative value approach. So it's not out and out value, but we you know, will always try and invest in companies when they're when they're positioned well on the value curve against their historic uh, long term averages or, or against um, competitors. Uh, in the market, um, that gave that gave loads of opportunity to add growth companies at good valuations to the company. So, you know, likes of Ashton Technologies, um, FDM, GB Group, NCC, um, all growth companies uh, that you know a year or so ago would have been too expensive for inclusion within the fund. You know, find themselves at very attractive valuations. And you know, we may have touched on this in the last podcast um, on Small Coast. Uh, but at the beginning of this calendar year, you know, we did take a very serious exercise in reducing consumer exposure. So that that sort of trend continued over the year. And I think that, that if you are going to have a consumer-led uh, recession, I think that that places the fund fairly well. And just expanding on that relative value approach, um, you know, we are very disciplined in terms of how we, we apply that relative valuation appraisal to potential new holdings in the fund. Um, our investable university, the, the numerous smaller companies index plus A. If you look at that index 12 months or so ago, 20% of that index would have been trading at discounts to their long term averages. We look at it today, there's about 70%. So our investable opportunity set has increased materially over the past 12 months as a result of the market moves. Uh, and, and clearly that's allowed us to buy names which historically looked too expensive, you know, the likes of uh, GB Group, NCC, FDM, which Simon uh, listed before. Well, um, thank you very much, uh, Simon and Alex. That was both extremely interesting and informative. Um, You're welcome. If you'd, thank you. If you'd like to find out more about the Unicorn UK Smaller Companies Fund, please visit www.fundcanada.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast via your usual channel. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. 